This episode of the Good Ship Brothership is brought to you by an entire school bus full of chicken bones. Read it. Now on with the show. No discount? No. You can't discount that. <laughs> you the can't government wouldn't let me. Okay, I'm just going to keep rolling. We we're never gonna, stop. We're going to keep rolling. Yeah, we, we have in the past. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, it's us again with one thing and another. We've been away for very long. Approaching six months now. Is it really? Yeah, it's, it's been about five or six months. Initially, um, this was Jason's fault because of COVID-19. And then as time went on, it was actually more of Jason's fault. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, well, you know, when it... When coronavirus hit, we weren't sure what to do. Figured it was probably just wise to keep our distance for a bit. Um, then, of course, we realized that none of this... None of it's real and we're in a computer simulation. Exactly. So here we are. Um, and we, th- thought, we thought that we would lead off with a very large episode today. And we've been talking about doing this since a long time before we took our sabbatical, as it were. Yeah. And it was just... For me, it was the easiest and most exciting. And we actually had prepped to do this episode before uh, the outbreak happened, <clears throat> or at least I had. I was, like, primed and ready to go. Yeah. And my notes have just sat. And I can tell, like, you seem like you want to get into it while we still have our socks on. Like, we first we normally Absolutely. talk about what we've what's been doing first keeping, a little what's bit. What's wrong keeping your socks on? And uh, we kind of catch up and just have a little bit of brotherly okay. discourse. Yeah, so anyways, what have you been doing recently? I've been watching my brother um, suck at suck at bourbon drinking. Yeah. And, uh... No, I don't know. Like, I mean, how can you... It, so it's let's, been half let's a year. Let's do a, a brief... It's been half a A very year. brief recap kind of thing. And then and we can stop at the halfway point and do a bit more of this for another episode, too. Sure. But basically, what happened was towards the end of my school semester... And I think it's fun to timestamp this, too. So let's... Get a little bit of this. Towards the end of my school semester, coronavirus hit. I'm doing it online. So Grant and I stopped seeing each other for a little while. School finished. I started a co-op job, so I was very consumed with that and really tired out. And then around the time I got laid off from that, about a month in, because there was no work because of coronavirus, Grant got a new job, and then he was super tired and consumed with that. Yeah. Which I understand, and now enough time has passed from that that we are ready to get back to business. So it's kind of the middle of summer, and and a lot has changed in our lives, even since the last episode we recorded. And I find it very comforting that we're still back here. This is not the house we started in. Nope. Um, we are not <clears throat> the same little children who started years earlier. That's and that yeah, is true. I was reflecting on that the other day. As we come up on our fourth anniversary, which we will have uh, before year's end, <laughs> it's it's really crazy. You know, you were only a little bit older than me when we started this, and I was still in high school, and yeah. and it's just, it's cool. A lot's happened since then, and uh, we're still not very professional at this, and the card table still squeaks and stuff but it's not we've gotten we do have a new card table table, which is my card table Mm -hmm. i'm sure we've probably talked about it 
and it's very soft. <clears throat> it's beautiful, and it doesn't it doesn't squeak. Well, that's true. We're still using the same microphone, but anyway, it, it is a dream of mine to get two SM7Bs. Maybe when we get with. a second listener, like if we if we got any kind of a following mm-hmm. on this I'd with our twice so... yearly podcast, that's not my fault. Yeah, that's true. You were the one who's all paranoid. Yeah. But I do want to but, highlight. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that's fine. Um, yeah, we a lot a lot has been going on. My a couple other things. If we want to timestamp it further, I have been at a new job now doing carpentry for um, like five or six weeks, something like yeah, that. Yeah, around there. I'd say actually five. And uh, my basement flooded. We had some water backup, um, so. Uh, we had to put take up all the flooring. It was very, very disgusting. It was terrible. I cut my f- finger really bad since the last yeah. one. I had to go to emergency. I would that. rather cut my finger than now. Have I can't my feel the end of my finger anymore very well. That's not a big deal. Though. No, I know. Um, I do feel bad for your basement. <clears throat> so that was a huge pain. Um, we've just been, you know, going about going about life. I guess it's it really is just one foot in front of the other. That's what I was saying to Hannah the other day. Is Life, life moves a lot faster, a lot, a lot more quickly than than you might think if you adapt the philosophy of putting one foot firmly in front of the other and just kind of slowly marching. It's marching true. Along. At work, um, we're a lot better now, but at the the food business, which I'm back at now, we have these big markets on Fridays and Thursday is a big to do as we get ready for the market. And it used to be a while ago, it was more of a high-stress work environment. People get freaked out. And my famous saying is, I always say, guys, one way or another, tomorrow it'll be Friday. Yep. Yeah. And it's just like, you know what, don't freak out, because either way, it's going to come in the same amount of time. But anyways, um, let's kind of roll on. I have a couple more standard pieces of entertainment I want to bring up. And I don't know if you do as well, but I'm going to try and inject a bit of my youthful spirit see if i can rekindle some of my energy and i want to start briefly by talking about a video game the last of us part two um which i just platinumed i completed every aspect of it today actually after two entire playthroughs of the game back to back which is not something i usually do and i don't know i hope we'll review it maybe in a year or so i know it's going to take a while excuse me but I think it really raised the bar for storytelling for a game, um, for cinematography. That's something that we see a lot in games where maybe there's good writing and good voice acting now, but the shot, reverse shot, camera movements that go on between characters are really stiff and really just don't sell the conversation. The, like, yeah, or a lot of them are very film school. Like, you'll have your two characters sitting there and they're talking and it's kind of a back and forth, like, mm-hmm. like uh, over the shoulder kind of shot. And then there'll be a low panning shot through like some weeds. Yes. That yeah. shows them with like the sun setting behind them. Like something like that. That's just like really trite meat, meat and potatoes. Like, and it's gotta be hard because you're also constructing a world, the world in which you're shooting. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's not quite as explorative of a pro- process I'd imagine as just, shooting on a location right likely not but they did a really good job with with the cinematography the motion capture the ability to track the actors movements as they perform in a game you know it's no longer just a voice actor it's now an actor actor absolutely and they went a step farther and you can see there there are these really cute instagram posts of dogs that they motion captured in the games they took these dogs and they put the little tracking balls all over them and they're in their little black jumpsuits it's so adorable 
Like and, Oscar. Uh, Oscar did that, I believe. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the bulldog that is living in your basement. That's correct. Um, this sounds like another one of those things we just make up, but he's actually well, down here. It might be something yeah. we made up. Um, I hope. But yeah, I, I want to sometime in the semi-distant future review this game. I hope you'll play it because I think it's highly controversial. It's the, probably the most controversial AAA game to release in many years. Um, because yeah, absolutely. Ever? Maybe ever. Yeah, must be. What would probably be? ever? Well, it's uh, it's only either that or Grand Theft Auto Five. Maybe so. Every time there's a Grand Theft like Auto it's, release, it's, it's controversial. Those are the only two, like kind of neck and neck for. Yeah, that's probably true. This game's very controversial because it's extremely dark. Um, some people feel that the game makers are trying to push their agenda on the players, and I think there's something to be said for that. A political um, agenda. A political is. agenda. Yeah. A social agenda. True. And it's also the point that there are a lot of crybabies out there who feel like they are entitled to be able to write this story the way they think they should. Yeah. Um, the first game in the series was one of the most critically acclaimed story-driven games of all time, and people got really attached to it, which is good. Um, but it's somebody, good if you want to sell more was, copies of the second one. It was my friend Pedro said he felt about this game the way he thinks... Or he thinks people react to this game the way they would react to a new Star Wars movie if it went outside the norm. He said, like, something gets so beloved by this cult group, and then you're only allowed to make, like, the same three stories over again. If you try to do something different, you're just completely outcast. I mean, look at the new Star Wars movies. What's the one everybody likes? The one that's just episode seven all over again. Episode four all over again is what you're meaning. Episode seven was episode four all over again. No, it would be... Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's and sorry, that's that's sorry. the only one of the new ones I've seen. So that's the only one I can comment on. But it really is quite the rehash. Like it, it is exactly, and that was the one that probably is the most uh, widely acclaimed. Like it has the highest uh, percentage of approval. I've heard a lot of people <clears throat> like Solo too, which I need to watch. I didn't like it. You didn't like it. And I need to watch it. It was Solo and Rogue One were the other two that people went nuts for. And I or no no not, not Solo. I meant to say Rogue One. Oh people, yeah, I hated not Solo. I hated Rogue One. Yeah. I misspoke. Um, Solo is not widely liked. None of them really are. But that that's the thing is people think that they have an ownership over these stories. But it's a different thing with the Star Wars. Star Wars has been stretched out over many decades, two generations of human. Mm-hmm. And uh like how many writers now? I'm not sure to be honest with you. So all I know is that after Hayden Christensen left, the series just wasn't the same. No, I know. He l- did leave a big void. After episode two, I felt that it was all downhill. Yes, there were some redeeming moments in episode three. Yes. Um, but episode two, uh, Revenge of the Clones, was really the high point in that entire yeah. web series. Yeah. Anyway, um... I guess I've been playing... I played a game called Hollow Knight. I'm going to adjust the pop filter. Really yeah, quick. I think you'll probably be okay. Um, but I played a game named... Game named? Oh my goodness. I played a game called Hollow Knight on Jason's request, actually. And it was Just absolutely phenomenal. phenomenal. It was... It's a... The best Metroidvania I've ever played. Um, I, I will give that to you. It is the best Metroidvania I've ever played. It's a near-perfect uh, game. Highly atmospheric, great gameplay, the perfect, the perfect amount of customization in terms of your loadout. You've got um, like different charms that you can equip. Mm-hmm. 
And what are, is that all you can change in your equip loadout? Yeah, just basically. I mean, you can you upgrade your weapon as the game goes on, but that's but not customizable. It just gets better yeah. and better. Yeah. Um, but very like it's really easy to get really deep into the combinations of your different charms and the effects that they have. Some of them make give you further reach. Some of them have a projectile effect. Some of them have a kind of uh, vampiric like health. You leech health. Like it's it's all that kind of that kind of stuff but they some of them react kind of like almost like chemistry when you use them together and and I found it really accessible and really fun and easy to understand to play around with that stuff and really feel like I kind of got my yeah. my nails dirty as it were like digging which is funny because the, the weapon is a nail boom yeah but uh, yeah so I played that but I found it really interesting too that um it's not a story-driven game at all. It's this little platformer. Well, it's, I know there's some story, but it's not a, a Last of Us scenario. No, there's more lore. Uh, and and your wife, not really in the games, she'll play uh, Grand Theft Auto and get in a bus and just mow down civilians, whatever. But mm-hmm. that's pretty much it. But that's she correct. really liked to watch you. Yeah. And she had favorite characters and stuff. <laughs> I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah. And I think that speaks to the charm of the game's aesthetic and the fact that just watching someone plays it play it looks satisfying like the way when you take damage the screen shakes and the sound gets muted for a second yeah. as your character kind of reels from taking yeah, I damage like i think it's just it's a really engaging game even to watch someone play and i i played it in the basement sitting at my pc like a freaking loser and so yep. you uh, playing it with somebody else around it was kind of interesting to see that it was sort of a spectator sport i wouldn't yeah. have thought that i mean she'll watch me play Dark Souls and stuff. That's the second game I've been playing. Draws the line at Death Stranding. Dark Souls 3. <laughs> um, yeah, she doesn't... Well, I, yeah. Nobody. Well. Um, <laughs> but I, I've been playing Dark Souls 3 <clears throat> remastered as well. With the DLCs and whatnot. And I've been playing that. And she'll watch that. But uh, Hollow Knight does have a certain charm. And a, it's just it's just a, a really cool world. And the main character is very cute. And I think it strikes a good balance between being... It's engaging, and it's quite difficult, but it's really meditative. Like, it doesn't stress me out. Like, nope. yeah, and yeah. I'm very familiar with the Dark Souls games. And just for... In case any nerds are listening, it wasn't remastered, because there is no such thing. You were just playing Dark Souls 3. Oh, um, right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, um, but it's it's not as stressful as a Dark Souls sort of thing. I'm saying I'm a lot today. I think we're I rusty. Think become rusty. But the... Apart from that... I've actually been doing quite a bit more reading than I had previously been. Uh, Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula, super weird. I would like to talk um, about that sometime on the podcast because I would like to read it. Yeah, it's a little like you've read some of the Sherlock Holmes stuff, right? Yeah, it's kind of more in that like it's it's that really flowery kind of verbosity mm-hmm. that was fashionable among writers then. And then um, Philip K. Dick's The Man in the High Tower, which is classic, mm-hmm. classically excellent, classically weird and, like, very paranoid Philip K. Dick at his finest. Great reading for 2020. Um, and I did kind of uh, peter out on uh, The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, but I'm I'm getting back into that. I think that. you were reading that on the road trip, weren't you? Yep. Wow. Yep. I do that though. I'll like. I I'll, hear you. I'll let it. Like it's like a TV series, like a really big novel to me. Mm-hmm. It's like you can stop a TV series halfway through sometimes and come back to it. 
I guess. It if probably just if, depends on the like, nature. Honestly, if a book's not grabbing me, I'll I'll let it sit for a bit. Yeah. And then I'll take take another shot at it. Um I can be kind of picky like that. Anyway, um apart from that, and obviously I've been I've been writing too. I actually started something new oh. that I'll tell you about when we're not recording. Definitely. That's, I think it's pretty cool. Hold on. I have to... My coworker is texting me question marks because... Uh, tell him I'm off duty, man. I was actually just talking with our dear mother today about things not like a, a game or a book or whatever not grabbing you. And I was saying how... Don't get me wrong. I'm certainly not made out of money. But now that I'm not a child with like $20 at any one time, I'm at a point where when I'm ingesting a book or a game or something, my time is the more valuable component than the game or the book yeah. or something. Yeah. And it's it's like I used to just torture, I think especially as a child, yeah. I used to torture myself with books where it's like well, I'm five pages in now, I got to read the next 450. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially now, for like a three to five hundred page novel like mm-hmm. how much is that twenty dollars and how yeah. many how many hours spend do you spend 15 reading hours it? Like, reading it yeah <laughs> like, and now i'm at the point where if something's not compelling me if i don't feel like i'm getting something out of it whether it's bettering me or just fun or or whatever it's like no dude i don't have time for this anymore i gotta say like i went back um and reread uh blood meridian cormac mccarthy's blood i need meridian. to read that and, uh, like, man, like, he is, you know, very flowery and prosaic and verbose, but I just find his writing so gripping, especially in that book and No Country and The Road. Mm-hmm. Those three books, it's just like, I can't, like, it's, it's like, uh, it's like an enchantment or something. Like, you, mm-hmm. you really do get sucked into the very language that he's using, and that's super cool. But... We're 18 minutes in. So I think we get on with the show now. Yeah. We do our 10th to 6th place. Mine aren't ordered in any way, but we do the first half. And then we can stop. We can pee. We can get some water. We can shoot the breeze a little bit. And then we can carry on kind of thing. And we'll, we'll just... We'll chop this up somehow. So... And we're also doing uh, honorable mentions. In I the- don't want to do that until after at least because I don't want to know what's not on your list. That ruins some of the tension doesn't build tension at all? No. Hmm. Okay. I don't think so. Because I don't want to tell you what's not on my list before I tell you what's on my list. Okay. Fair enough. Here's something else we, sh- we got to do, though. Okay. We need to make a bet right now. Yeah. So, top 10 albums of yes. all time. These are our... Th- this is something that we... I don't know about you, but I kind of had an idea going in about a couple that would be on my top 10. Definitely. But, like, it- it's not like I've... Not like I've had a fully ranked, like, top ten for the last seven years, and I, mm. like, go through and make adjustments accordingly whenever I find something new. So, you don't really have any idea. Like, how many, right off the top of your head, how many albums can you think of that you think would be on my top ten? Three or four. Yeah, and I'd say probably the same for you. Um, so, we need to make a bet here. I think we do a $5 bet. Dang. Okay. Yep. So we each put in five, I guess. Okay. Um, cash. What's the bet for? Cash. Whoever wins this competition. Okay. So we're going to do... What should we do? Shockers? What do you mean? Um, so it would be like how many albums 
on the other person's list shocked you by being on the list. Okay, we just have to be honest. We're brothers. That's the foundation <laughs> of this show. This is a lie. This show, whole show is a lie. Um, so what, the, the more shockers, like the person with more shockers takes home the cash? No, no. Is no. that what you're or saying? Or else all ten of mine would be black midi. <laughs> that wouldn't shock me, though. I'd just be like, yeah, no, but could, she moves could with Could we purpose. not go... She she do, though. She do move with purpose. Um. So, like... I just don't know what you're saying. And I feel like you're going to need to cut part of this out because this is five minutes of you trying to explain this to me. Okay, you know what? Okay. <laughs> Fine. I understand. Am I you being don't stupid? Like, you don't... Could be. Because it's possible. It could be. We're... You know what? So, never mind. Do you want me to do a little right spiel up. about my top ten? I have one or two interesting facts and, like, a disclaimer. And then, do we get into it? I guess so. And do we... Let's take turns, I think. Absolutely, albums. yeah. Um, one thing I think we should do, because yours aren't in any particular order. I specifically made them not in order because I thought if it's, like, alphabetized by artist or something, you can figure out what's not on the list later on. So, this is... Well, yeah. This really is completely random. But, like, should... We should uh, make each other pick between one and ten. Okay. Like yeah, that's fine. Any number between. One I have and all ten, mine numbered, and I pick one, and then you pick one. Okay. Like that's fair. Yeah. Um. So I I want to make a disclaimer that first of all, for me, I don't speak for you, but this is probably accurate. These are not in any way, shape, or form what I think the ten greatest albums of all time are. Mm-hmm. I've made no attempt, like zero. To combat recency bias or nostalgia, especially not nostalgia. But as a result, there are a lot more recent albums in here just from the past few years. When we've been doing the show, frankly, I have a lot of nostalgia about albums we've talked about on here. And and when I made my list, when I started to make my list and form it, I got down to about 25 al- to 25 albums or so. And I came to the conclusion that of those 25, about five of them or so would be on my top 10 list any given day. They're like the core members. Yeah. And the rest of the 20, I kind of just picked five because it was like, how do you do this? There's too many good ones. Yeah. So that's, about, that's kind of, that's about, kind of, half of my, about half of my list would shift just depending on the day, but they're great. And the other half are solid. Um, I also ended up avoiding... T- two of the same albums from any one artist. I didn't have a hard and fast rule against that, but part of me doing this list too is that I want to give people ideas of what to listen to, and I didn't want to be too redundant, and it just worked out that I didn't end up doubling up, but I easily could have. Um, I think that's about it. Uh, One interesting fact I'll throw out there, because I was curious about this, is I figured out the average release year so I totaled, not median, I totaled all the years up and then divided them by 10. Any guess as to what it is? 1969. You think it's 1969? You just wanted to say 69? Yeah. 420 AD. It's just cavemen banging rocks together. <laughs> no, the For average... AD? 420 <laughs> years after the death of Christ, it's cavemen banging rocks together? <laughs> What happens in this your the, alternate timeline, the, Ben the Shapiro? Dark Ages, man. <laughs> now imagine just. Anyways. Oh my goodness! No, the no, average... I think uh, my guess will be. Nineteen ninety-two. 
It is 2006.2. Wow. wow. Hmm. Okay. So I can who, tell you right now, mine are older than that. Who goes first? Uh, we flipped the puppet. Oh, yeah. We flipped the puppet. Where is the puppet? Over here. Okay. It's been so long, I'm just giddy to be doing this again. I really am. You're definitely face up, and I'm definitely face down. Yeah, right now. I feel very I'm face up. I feel. I when half, we started this, alive. when we started this, I was mumbling into the microphone, and then I said, "I want to inject <laughs> some of my youthful energy," and I have succeeded. I feel good. Okay, flip that the makes puppet. one of us. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Maybe just dial it back a bit, buddy. It's face down. Okay, okay it's start me. start with number me, six everybody. on your list. Number six on my list. Okay. Oh boy. Okay. Wow, this is so exciting. I wish that I had these down here. I like to hold the CDs while I talk about them. I won't do that, though. Okay, so my first, but number six, Mercury and Lightning, John Mark McMillan. Oh. And uh, this 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 is one that I would say will probably be on your list as well. And uh, what year was that put out? 2017. 2017. Not that I would know that. Why <laughs> Okay, so 2017 release from the the uh, American artist John Mark McMillan. Just a wonderfully textured, um, meaningful, emotional album. And it spans everything from almost like a new country sound to a new wave sound to a symphonic kind of sound. It really does defy genre in like a very very significant way I think this album but just from from the moment I first listened to the first track it's one of those things where I can remember where I was when I heard the opening of oh yeah. you know Mercury and Lightning and the the synth like coming in and just like washing over it's you it's a very potent experience and then, and then you think you think that the album might get old with all these walls of like synth this beautiful analog synth and like layered human voices and drum beats and stuff. You'd think that the album would get old as it goes on. You think it couldn't sustain that for a track list. Not only does it sustain it for the entire track listing, but it sustained it. Whoa. For three years for me with like regular listening over that track listing. And the lyrics are well written they're meaningful and beautiful, and the vocal performance that John Mark puts puts out on this album is like absolutely his best, in my opinion. And he's released an album since as well, Peopled with Dreams, which is very good too. But just does not begin to hold a candle to the cohesion, but the depth and the richness and the palette, the color palette and the sonic palette of this album. I think I- it's an absolute must listen I think it's very accessible and there is a song in here for every single emotion or experience uh, that you you could possibly want okay let me just be honest with you here it is on my list yeah um, do we do a battleship sort of thing where it's like now that you've hit this I'll just give you my yeah, opinion we might and we'll stroke well. that off I yeah, think we so might as well. um, I think I I think this is by far my biggest error and my biggest regret was in the year 2017, which was a great year for music, possibly so great that you could have, say, two albums from your top ten come from that year. <laughs> um, this did not rank in my top five. This is an honorable mention. It was fourth for you. What were we thinking? Because 
This is an album over the past three years. It has steadily grown on me more and more to the point where it's a real sort of desert island album for me. Totally. Where I think I can be happy listening to it basically all the time. Um, I think this is the greatest Christian album ever created. You can put it in quotes, whatever, with a Christian message, you know. And I think it's this beacon of hope and uplifting energy and positive messages that... But still raw and and, and, and honest. honest. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that on my most difficult days I have turned to and put on and and it makes me feel like I can you know survive to sunset you know yeah yeah sure. it's uh yeah. it's one of the most powerful listening experiences um that I think I can have on a regular basis with an album and I just I can't believe at the time I didn't see well, how 2017 amazing it was. was a really really good year it was but, but it is surprising that but uh, then again a lot of albums kind of happen in that way right like they they kind of do creep up on you but this like what we were saying when i sat down to to do my top 10 albums of all time i sat down and punched in about five right away and this then was I one sat for back me. i sat back and went hmm and this was this was also one of those for me and this, that's no surprise to me that it would be on your list as well but i'm very glad it's one that would never um never move from the list regardless of the day certainly okay so now it's your turn yes i'm going to go for number three okay number three is an album that i think will probably be on your list i'm okay (laughs) i'm 70 percent confident it could go either way okay this is an album that was released in 2018 and that means it can only be one album and it's earth tones by bahamas is that on your list? It is not. It is not on your it list. It is not. Wow. But I'm glad that it's on yours. Because, um, it, it, and I'll be honest, Earth Tones is one of the albums that, like, f- like kept popping on and off. And mm. me going, like, ah, it is it. Because it is, it is just, There are a couple other albums. Of course, this is very. 2018. 2018, yeah. Wow. Um, I looked up the release here for all these albums because I was really just interested to see how that played out. Yeah. This is an album that... It, this is rarefied air, these albums we're talking about. So a lot of these albums have this polish and heart duality. But Earth Tones does it especially well, where it has all the emotion and rawness, and yet it has this peerless polish and production quality. And that's something that's not very common. Yeah. And you could look at, like, Mercury and Lightning, I feel the same way about. But even a lot of the other albums on my list, I feel straight towards polish or heart without doing both so fantastically the thing with earth tones is it is poetry of and for it feels like the working man and i don't mean that at all in a disparaging way like i mean that in an incredibly positive way but this is like what every i don't know like these songs just feel like they're for a regular guy like me Mm -hmm. you know they're not they're not trying to make the issues of the human heart or of the human experience bigger than they are it's kind of you know a you know this is my life it's very conversational it's very offhand it's not a listening experience that elevates you no nor should it no it just 
it just kind of relates to you. Yeah. You relate to it. And that is what I think is so incredibly powerful. Not to mention, it is a very groovy, very uplifting, Mm -hmm. beautifully played album. I think a good anecdote for it that I shared back when we reviewed it, or maybe the album of the year, because this was our Undisputed Brothership album of the year, 2018. Yeah. Easy. is Way With Words is the fifth or sixth track on the album. It's so yeah, good. It's one of the two. so good. And I found for months on end, I would get in the car, I would put on the album, the opening track would start up, Alone would start up, and I would want to skip to Way With Words, but I could never get there because yeah. I'd stop every track and I'd listen to the whole track and I'd yeah. think after this one, I'll skip the next three, four, five. But you can't. And it's just this tidal wave of quality. It's perfectly paced it is the perfect length. Um, and I have, I do think I've cooled on a couple of the tracks. Bahamas is still my number one most listened to artist ever on Spotify. I looked that up yesterday. Huh. Um, and as I said before, I only have one album per artist on here, so it's not a spoiler alert for me to say nothing else is on there. But Bahamas in general is so good. Um, Another thing I've done for my list is try to tie memories where possible to the albums because I think that's fun to talk about. And for this one, I don't have one defining memory because this was the soundtrack to a year for me, to the last half of 2018 and through 2019, really. This was just kind of the soundtrack of my coming of age, as it were. A really vivid Bahamas memory I do have, though it's not from this album, is on our road trip last year when we drove through... Montreal at night and we listen to Montreal by Bahamas. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah. that's that's a really powerful memory and something that I'll think yeah. of for a long time. You know, it's this beautiful nighttime driving song and we we drove across the bridges of Montreal and through the city just kind of tooling around in the August evening listening yeah. to that song and uh yeah. And yeah, I think as we wow. go through this list, I forgot to mention this earlier. I think one of the great things about the best music is its power to take you back to these warm and beautiful times in your life. And so I'm going to bring that up from, I have some funny memories in here. Mm-hmm. I have some ones that I'm touched by like that, like that really moves me. And I want to try and kind of bring us back through the years. So yeah, that's, that's the next one for me. That's Earth a great tones. choice. Um, let's go for your number. S- uh, uh, can I just say though, yeah. earth tones way mm-hmm. in my honorable mentions. Like Good. it's right. Like it's right there. It was on the bubble. Yeah. And this is one that I don't think would move from my list just because for over a year, it's like this was the defining sound of my life. It, I cannot overstate how much I listen to this. And, and there's a couple other albums like this in my list, but not many. Yep. Let's go for your number eight next. Number eight. Oh, my goodness. You've opened a whole can of swarms. My number eight is Black Star by David Bowie. <sighs> this, was on, um, this is on my honorable mention list. It didn't make the cut. It was, it was close. Uh, David Bowie's final uh, effort, his final release, and it was released just a couple days before he his untimely death mm-hmm. of cancer in uh, 2000. Was it 2017 or 2016? 2016. This very narrowly lost out to Leonard Cohen for album of the year right. from the Brothership, but right. but this but is it a was great my, album. it was still my number one that it year, was right? yeah. yeah, and it has not ceased to be an experience so potent mm-hmm. and so unbelievably intense that I can't listen to it all that often. But when I do, I find it difficult to stop. You've got, you know, uh, rage and like like almost as if uh, Bowie was 
angry at the thought of of death uh, on songs like uh, Sue. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got like the kind of weirdness, that ghostly strangeness in uh, uh, what's that? What's that one called? Uh, Girl loves me. Yes. That's what it is. And then, of course, uh, Black Star Two, which is like a really mythical kind of uh, mysterious texture to it. And Dollar Days, which is that beautiful, sad, pining ballad. Mm-hmm. And then at the center of it all, you have Lazarus. What a, song, be- what a powerful statement. Which is, for my money, like, in by far and away, in the upper half of Bowie's best ten songs he ever wrote. Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole album is just an incredibly powerful statement and unbelievably well-produced unbelievably well played by like a jazz band incredibly gifted it is a jazz album in some ways in a lot of ways it's a jazz album um but there are you know reverb soaked guitars and things that echo and shift around you and it does feel a little ghostly in all the best ways and i just think that it is his magnum opus it's seven tracks long uh, it's not a long album at all, but it, what a beautiful and what a haunting album it is! Like, uh, you know, and it, not to mention his voice on it, as mm-hmm. he as the guy is weak and dying of cancer. Oh my god! Like his voice. I think there's nothing sadder than when a lifelong musician is taken from you too early before you feel like they've said what they had to say, like a Jeff Buckley scenario, you know, yeah. where the guy puts out one great album and he's ripped away from us. And David Bowie maybe was taken too soon in terms of years. Yeah. But I think there's nothing more beautiful than with the release of this album. I felt like he made his final statement. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I think it, this is different, but sort of the same. I think the No Plan EP they released after he passed away um, that was good too. Yeah, really good. tacked on well to this and yep. kind of made it from a short album to a long album. Yep. Um, this, is, this is my favorite David Bowie album of all time. It's, it was so close to being on my list. Um, it's, like you said, it's very powerful. It's his heaviest album, which is interesting. Uh, well, okay, it's his heaviest album that I'm familiar with out of yeah. maybe a half a dozen or so yeah, Bowie yeah. albums. I haven't listened to all of them. Um, and, yeah, it's that's a, a very good choice. I really thought about it. Okay, now for you, we'll do number four. Number four. This one I hope is on your list. It, this better be on your list. This oh. was released in 1979. This is The Wall by Pink Floyd. It's not on my it's list. It's not on your list. It's not on my list. Wow. Um, I think it's safe to say, from my perspective anyways, that The Wall is the best concept album ever created. I know it's not the first. There's Quadrophenia, and I'm sure there's other stuff before In that. In Small Hours is normally okay, that's, that's with a good being point. Like one yeah. of the first concept albums. But to me, but this is... Also, I would say, sorry, Live at Folsom Prison. Absolute concept album. Yeah, that's a good point. Totally. Um... The Wall, to me, though, is like the granddaddy of concept albums. Yes. It's this wicked double album. Um, We have the vinyl, and it's this visual presentation just to crack it open and look at the illustrations. It's the (laughs) complete package. Um, Even the the lyrics are cool, the font and all the 
illustrations that are jumbled in. And it's this 80-some minute long double album. And of this album, it's the or of this list... Surely it's longer than 80 minutes, isn't uh, it? I think... You can look it up on your phone. I think it's about 85 minutes or so. I'll look it up over here. Okay. Um, this is the album on my list that I've listened to the least, because I really only listen to it front to back a few times a year. But I'm always amazed at the level of storytelling, at the creativity, and at the amount of emotion in there. It's 80 minutes? Yeah. yeah. Um, and we've been listening to this album for a long time and it's one in my list that has been in my purview for the longest but I just never cease to be amazed at the level of trippy storytelling I don't I don't understand what like what all of the individual tracks are about I understand the through line but I think that this is just a really a really cool story and 41 years on it stands to me as a very unique and powerful album. I think the production quality was way ahead of its time compared to anything except for, you know, like there's some Led Zeppelin and stuff that was up to the same level. But when you listen to this with a nice set of headphones on a nice set of speaker and crank it, um, the, the last time I did, I, I was making cinnamon buns. So I had all this time in the kitchen. Yeah. And I just cranked it and listened to the whole album front to back while I made these fantastic cinnamon buns, by the way. And uh, and it just never gets old. Yeah, so that's the wall. It's yeah. it's an there institution. Are, as I'm looking at the track listing, I'm like, wow, there are a lot of very, very good songs. I love Pink Floyd. There are a lot of very, very good songs on that album. All right, uh, let's go for your one. <laughs> okay, so you went with the only one that might be numerically uh, ordered. And that is Mar- uh, Television yes. by Marky Moon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Marky Moon by Television. Um, oh, I said it backwards. You did. Sorry. You absolute lizard. Um, yeah, Marky Moon. I like. It's such a weird. Uh, it's, it came out in nineteen seventy seven, uh-huh. and uh, uh, still relatively little known band. But you know, they they really did languish in obscurity for several decades. That's an example of production years. on the level of the wall before the wall actually. I wouldn't say it's on the level of the wall. At Maybe all. not. I don't no, know. They got some good guitar tones in there. It's definitely lower, but but the the thing there's just this album just has it, you know. Um, the lyricism I think is incredibly clever and and very well done. <clears throat> very evocative, very weird, not like anything else you've ever heard. Uh, the musicianship is on a level that rivals or bests any band that I've ever heard, but it's not like it's not like Pink Floyd where you go and you listen to the album and it blows your mind because of the inventiveness those guys had together in the studio. Um, And it's not really even like Led Zeppelin where it blows your mind over Jimmy Page's, you know, you know, guitar chops or Robert Plant's range and power or John Bonham's drums or John Paul Jones' bass riffs or something. It blows your mind. This album blows my mind because there's this like alchemy between these four guys 
that is unlike anything I've ever heard on another album. And it is everything that I have always wanted. Like my own, like I was in a four-piece rock and roll band for many years, and this album has everything that I wanted to kind of represent in my own music. That like incredible tightness between the musicians. The uh, really remarkable difference in voices between the two guitar players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and everybody's voice is so present, but they're so fluid and they move together so, so well. I freaking love it. And it's an album too I could listen to just like absolutely endlessly. There are so many different kinds of songs on there. There's so many cool riffs. There are cool solos. Like I said, I think I like Tom Verlaine's voice on this album. He's kind of yelpy and like kind of spazzy. A little bit pitchy. But it really works, I think, for this kind of music. This album is just the definition to me of a special album. I really like it. I appreciate it. I think it's a masterfully made album, but I've never quite got it like if i were to rate it uh, of course numerical ratings are so trite but if i were to rate it i'd give it like an eight sort of thing like i really like it but yeah i've never i've never quite understood your zeal for it i think it's fantastically made i think the guitar is excellent but i've never really got into it i don't know it's just not all you have to do is listen to the title track one day maybe like it but could happen but that's what happened and I can also remember like how we were talking you can remember and we should make a habit of doing this as we go go forward is I can totally remember the first the first two times I heard this album mm-hmm. because Sean cousin Sean said to me hey man you should check this album out it's pretty cool it's really good our, album. our cousin Sean great guy and he's been known to recommend some music to us from time to time uh, and uh, and I listened to it and I was probably about 17 when he, when he said that. And I listened to it and went, yeah, it's all right. You know, it certainly, certainly sounds old. You know, at the time, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, it's, a, you know. I'd rather listen to Switchfoot. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of more into, like, modern stuff, man. I don't know. And I, I can remember listening to it and going, like, yeah, that's cool. Like, I, I listened to the title track, which is the first song on the album. Freaking brilliant song. Mm-hmm. And uh, and think about the range. Sorry, think about think about the scope of what they do. How epic that song is, and there are like no overdubs in it. Yeah, it's there incredible. Like none. It's all like live. It's like it's freaking the sheer musicianship. And and I just kind of went, yeah, it's good. And then I just I just let it go. I just let it drift away for years. And I can remember I was ironing. I was upstairs at mom and dad's house. I was ironing and I was like, I don't really feel like watching a movie while I do all my ironing of all my nice fancy, you know, shirts. I kind of feel like listening to some music, but I don't really feel like listening to anything modern. I'm not really feeling that, you know, jacked up. I'm, I'm ironing, but I don't really want to listen to like classical because I'm still myself. Mm-hmm. And I went, I should give that television album a shot. Like, and this was like, I kid you not, two years later, mm-hmm. two years later, it just went, doink, oh, I should listen to this television, Marky Moon. I remembered the whole thing, remembered the, the, what the cover looked like, and I put it on, and it was just like, I don't think I did any ironing. Like, I'm pretty sure I was at home alone, and I kid you not, I'm pretty sure I just sat there. You sat like, the hot iron down on your leg, it just burned a hole through yeah, your leg, and you didn't even yeah, move. Yeah. But I can absolutely remember that. Yeah, it's, it is a powerful album. And before we 
move past the Pink Floyd topic too much. I was reminded by your, by your memories. Gone. I have a couple that I do want to share. Um, one that's just kind of fun and whatever, and one that I think is kind of poignant and kind of nice. The first one is not the first time I listened to The Wall, but mm-hmm. one one of the defining times I remember was after our friends James and Cheryl got married in uh, somewhere kind of a couple hours away. We were driving back after the wedding. Maybe it's a two and a half hour drive. And uh, I had my Vita and I was playing Dead Nation and I had my earbuds into my iPod and I was listening to The Wall. Yeah. And I just like knuckled down for like an hour and a half and played Dead Nation and listened to The Wall. And that's just a, that's just a defining memory I have of that. Absolutely. Um, and the other, the other one I have is my father and I playing pool. This is more recent. This is a year or two ago. Playing pool together and listening to The Wall uh, as we sometimes do. And he commented he thought it was kind of cool because he remembers uh, – listening to The Wall with Mario, his childhood friend, when it had just come, came out and they were playing pool together <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and he's not the most emotional guy, but I think he kind of, he, he liked that and I did too. And I th- thought that was kind of cool. You think about little weedy Mark Andrews at 14 or 15 right after it came out. Uh, he's probably playing listening to it on a pool first pressing buddy. too. Yeah. Because he's got white privilege. And, uh, and then... <laughs> 41 years later or whatever 40 years later playing pool with his son listening to the same album i just i think that's kind of cool i doubt that no yeah yeah never mind never mind all right you have to pick one for me now number 10 number 10 scrolling down number 10 will not be on your list but you will like it Mm. It, it's popular problems by leonard cohen that's on my list what Hold on, let me just double check to make sure that that's not good job, policy. buddy. I'm proud of you. I see, it's so good. Yep, yep. that's wow. my number seven. Um, this could have almost just as easily been "You Want It Darker" or "I'm Your Man" by Leonard Cohen. In yeah, fact, I'm your man's in fact, when I was writing this list, it was "You Want It Darker," and at the eleventh hour, I swapped it out for this. Right. It 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 could have gone either way. Yeah. But I picked this because. I think it has a little bit more of that smirk and that wink and a nod sort of thing that I like so much, and I know you appreciate it too yeah. from Leonard Cohen, yeah. where it's not like uh, Alex Cameron, where it's outright funny, yes. but it's no, just... not at all. But uh, you listen to a Ugh. Leonard Cohen song and you think, well, that's just life sometimes, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, there it's... Are... Like, it's a bit more uplifting than You Want it Darker. I picked it over I'm Your Man because I really like old Leonard Cohen's voice. Yes. Um, yes. I think the critique one could make, I certainly wouldn't, is that this could just as easily be a book of poetry or something like that. But the way he delivers it and the music really sets the stage. I will say that I think Leonard Cohen is the best songwriter, bar none, zip zilch nada i think he is the best songwriter of all time and i know there's a lot of different metrics or whatever you know like what does that even mean it doesn't mean anything yeah but the way he conveys emotion and love and humor and romance he's such a such a uh classic singer in that regard Um, a canadian treasure which i have to root for the home team a little bit in that regard He's produced many wonderful albums, but I think this is my favorite. Well, and the fact of the matter is that Leonard Cohen's earlier albums were not really that good. 
or I don't like them that much. I mean, I'm your man is from like the 70s or 80s. No, I'm talking like earlier. Okay. Um, but you, you, and you listen to something like I'm your man and it's very good. It's very, very romantic. It's very sensual. Mm-hmm. It's very almost, almost, uh, European. Yeah. Kind of in its, in its settings, like talking about marble arches and, uh. It's very grandiose. Yeah. There's a guy, uh, what's the, in, uh. Take this waltz. Yeah. What's the There's a mar- there? marble hall. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's the imagery is absolutely beautiful. But as he got older, he really stripped a lot of that back. Mm-hmm. Like in a big way. And you think about like these songs, like slow. There's no real visuals. Mm-hmm. Like th- there's no setting really. Almost like the blues. Same thing. One of my favorite, maybe my favorite Leonard Cohen song of all time. Not even Hallelujah is Samson in New Orleans. Oh. That song just tears my heart apart yeah. every time I listen to it. Um, a Street, Did I Ever Love You, My Oh Did my. I Ever Love You is yeah. one of my favorites. That's like the raw emotion in his but voice like you there think, is just incredible. But you, you think about these songs. So Did I Ever Love You, My Oh My, Nevermind, Born in Chains, and You mm. Got Me Singing. All oh, fantastic. You Got Me Singing, yeah. Born in Chains, Samson New Orleans, like you said. Yeah. Like, the king's so kind and solemn, he wears a bloody crown. crown. Yeah. Standing by the pillars and tear, you this, tear temple this temple down. Yeah. Oh my goodness, yeah. it's so beautiful. But you see what I mean? Like the lyrics are stripped of any pretense or yes. any, really any flash, and it's just all skill. Like it's all this aged, rugged wisdom, like complete mastery and beautiful emotion. And um, the summer I discovered Popular Problems, the album. Um, it would not have been 2014 the year it came out. It would have been a couple of years later. I legitimately listened to only this album for an entire summer. Oh, yeah. And it's... I can very, very vividly remember um, uh, Slow, the mm-hmm. opening track. Um, or, no, I can remember Nevermind, because mm-hmm. that's the one that starts off with the... I can remember that cranking out of mom and dad's f-150 as i barreled down the like dusty street like dust mm-hmm. rising up everywhere and i was you know going to work or going to see friends or something like that and i can remember that very clearly and i can really remember that i truly did only listen to this album especially when i was in a vehicle i it was only this album for one whole summer for like three whole months it was only this album mm-hmm. And uh, and and I do think it's a bit of a better album, like you said. Then it's a bit more of a versatile album than you want it darker. Yeah, you want I, it darker is fantastic. It could, like I said, it was for me. It was you want it darker, even while I was writing the list. And yeah. the eleventh hour, I swapped it out because you want it darker yeah. is so like traveling light, Ugh. treaty yeah. on the yeah. level. Like the I wish there was a treaty we could sign is just like it yeah. hits me. Um, yeah. But. At the end of the day, I think this album just makes me smile a bit more. Yeah. Um, and and I need all the help I can get in 2020 with that. Yeah. That that like that 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 was actually one of the easy albums for me to put on my top ten. Too. I'm glad. It really was. Okay. I'll okay. pick another one for you then. Give give me a shirt here. Let's do your number two. Okay. Sticky fingers by the Rolling Stones. Nice. This is not on mine. I'm um, glad it's on yours. Just like, 
I absolutely love this album. It just it changed a lot of my um, perceptions of the Rolling Stones and you know that they were all about sex and drugs and rock and roll and all that sort of thing and uh, i mean the album art is just a crotch with a boner so that's only one person's interpretation the other (laughs) person could see it as a beautiful dove yeah yeah um sure but you know there there are so many good rock and roll songs on this album there are good uh ballads so it's opens out with brown sugar i mean mm-hmm. you know uh and then goes into a, a song called sway which is a really really great song too wild horses which is just you know it's a beautiful song yeah it is can't you hear me knocking which is an absolute jam and a half mm-hmm. goes into like this like cool uh bongo uh and horn like saxophone break in the middle uh then you gotta move which is like the blues you gotta move you gotta move um and then the song bitch which is do you remember that song no i'll go play it oh yes yeah it's just they are the epitome of they are the the band that the archetype of rock and roll is based off of, you know. This album is exactly what the Tours tried to do with Help a Stranger. It feels like to me. Yeah. So you got that song then um Dead Flowers. Mm. You know that song. Yeah. That's a that lovely that song. is one of my favorite Rolling Stone songs of all time and and then Moonlight Mile, which is both Dead Flowers. Dead Flowers is like to me I'm like, how is this not, like, how does it not have the play? This album came out in 71. Wow. And it is also very timeless sounding. The songwriting on here is way better than I would have ever given Mick Jagger. Yeah. A song like Wild Flowers is very well written. Dead Flowers. Dead Flowers. That's what I meant. Yeah. Send them dead flowers to my wedding and I won't forget to put roses on your grave. It's like all about like a lost love that this person's moved on from but they you know can't can't really seem to like you know distance themselves from it seven dead flowers yeah but uh and moonlight mile uh, i remember very very clearly my first time hearing that song it was when uh the band was recording at the church in the and mm-hmm. my band recorded an album in the basement of an old church and our producer we were talking about the rolling stones and i was saying how much i liked the rolling stones and i had not listened to really any of them at that point um and aaron Soch, our producer said i'll play you my favorite rolling stone song and he told us how he had to work many hours away from his then fiance now his wife and the mother of his children and and he can remember listening to moonlight mile just another moonlight mile on down the road is how the you know mm-hmm. chorus goes as he's driving back to see her and like just crying as he drove there because mm-hmm. he missed her so much and he like actually had to leave the room when he played it for us and i uh i never forgot that and i never forgot how powerful the song sounded to me even at that time but now a couple a couple years down the road um listening to it like it's it's shocking to me how emotionally impactful the rolling stones can be 
like it their their rock and roll and sex and debauchery image was so so much so much of it was just marketing yeah that uh and i think that may be their main mo but i think they have more depth than a lot of people give them credit because uh like two of their songs get played over at hockey games over and yeah. over again you just hear start me up over and over and you, you want to kill yourself yeah but and it's a 10 track album um i think all the stuff is it's very easy to like the the if a song isn't catchy or rocking or grooving then it's you know ripping your heart out kind of thing and mm-hmm. it's it, i i find it to be endlessly re-listenable and this album also got stuck in my car for quite a long time and i come back to it constantly mm-hmm. like absolutely constantly it is the perfect rock and roll album that's a me. good pull um I, I forgot my leonard cohen anecdote i need to stop doing this this is the second time i've done this this is just a funny one for this album well actually i have two i have a funny one and a sad one because i like to pair them together like that um the funny one is my first recollection of leonard cohen is hearing him on cbc during our childhood cbc radio <laughs> yep. phase yeah, yeah and yeah. laughing and just being like what kind of garbage is this yeah. He's People just listen talking. to this. He's talking. He's and then he's got the ladies in the background like and just being like this sucks. And fast forward, now I'm the joke. Co coworker Glenn hates the duop ladies in Leonard Cohen stuff. Mm, no, and I'm like, you're now. so wrong. But you're I so once wrong. was there. Yeah. And my second memory is the much sadder one. It's when You Want It Darker was released. Um I think I first listened to it right after I heard Leonard Cohen died, which was the day after it was released. I think. Um, no, maybe it was. It was like a week or two. A week, actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I hadn't got around to listening to it beforehand. And I went and I, uh, I put a blanket over, like I tented myself in a blanket. Yeah. You know, and I put headphones on and I just sat there motionless and I listened to the whole album and just kind of like, I was like, I can't believe this guy's gone. You know, as I listened to this fantastic album unfold before me i was like you know well, i can't believe it's this more, is it. it's more just like <laughs> it's like you feel like you're there next to him as he's dying yeah it's like you i know, wish there was a treaty we could sign you, you know, know it it really <laughs> it really that and black star yeah you know same like, year yeah and i had a cry when david bowie died after that oh, yeah. because it was like i had listened to this album and it was so like, especially lazarus mm-hmm Oh, like the the guttural nature of the the fear and the uncertainty of death, like yeah. just and and the thing that got me with Bowie though was that I didn't nobody expected him to die mm-hmm. when and I my prevailing memory of you want it darker is when it came out when they dropped the first sing, single and I he's said to you die. I said to you he's gonna die he's yeah. gonna die and then like right after it was released he died. So I killed Leonard Cohen. I'm sorry, everybody. And I will always have kind of fond memories of those two albums, even though they're sad. Although the Leonard Cohen one's not entirely sad. It's both. Because that was the era of the birth of the Good Ship Brothership. Yep. The first album we did was our albums of 2016, and those were the two the two biggest contenders. And You want it darker in Black Star. Yeah. And they've aged well. <laughs> I mean, like, man. Yeah. Uh, so anyways that's my line okay so i've done five have you i've done one two three four four yeah four okay 
So how about you do your number seven? My number seven? Okay. I don't think this will be on yours, but you love it. It was released in 2017. (laughs) Again. It's Forced Witness by Alex Cameron. Yeah, it's Um, not on there. I'm sorry. This is one of the ones... I love Alex Cameron. This is one of the ones in the half that could be changed out depending on the day. Yeah. You know? Um, But I just have so much fun with it. Yeah. Alex Cameron. I just have so much fun. Alex Cameron is delightful because he is hopefully at the start of his career. He's in his 30s. Uh, He's made three albums in four years. Yep. Yeah. And uh, they've all. Yeah, something like that. They've all been delightful. That was another 2016 album. Was his debut. They've all been delightful, and he accomplishes what so few artists accomplish. Leonard Cohen's one of them, which is a huge range of emotions from humor to this raw emotion and his album is really seedy and grungy and it's like an old motel with a faded neon sign you know and it's it's funny and it has this schmoozy like it's trying to be sexy but it's not but deep down there's something really tragic about his music and it's not just totally. a yeah. It's not just a joke. It might be a sick joke, but it's not just a joke. Um, and and I love it. And this is the album, more so than anything else, I have in my notes down here. This is the one that's on the bubble. This was probably number 10 on my list. Yeah. Um, this is a slight spoiler because it'll tell you what's not on my list. It fought Tooth and Claw with Johnny Cash, and it came out on top. Okay. I was, again, I was between this, Folsom Prison, and The Man Comes Around. Yeah which are two Johnny Cash records. And this won out because I actually have more history with this album. For the past three years, I've listened to it so much. Yeah. And and I loved it then. I love it now. I return to it so often. And this being his second out of three records so far, his first one has this special stripped-down magic that I still find alluring. And his third one has some of his best moments and his most polish. But this, I think, is just the gem right in the middle. It remains my favorite Alex Cameron album. And uh, and I think it's just really human because it takes all these emotions and just puts them in a blender until it's just this <laughs> jumbled up mess, you know? Yep. And, and he, there are moments of real humor more so than anything else on the album, you know, where it's like, I feel like I could riff the gym pants off a single mother yep. or like... Uh, he talks about him and Roy and their posse, the Down Syndrome Jew with the real estate crew. From the real it's, estate crew. From the crew. real estate crew. It's it's so bizarre, and it's laughable, but it's underscored by something really tragic of somebody trying to be the man, but he's just not, you know? Um, and I think it's a really special album. I would say it's, for me, it's definitely my favorite Alex Cameron record. Um Although I do still think that Divorce is his best song. Yeah, that's probably fair. Um, I really do. Higher highs and lower lows on the new album, probably. Stupid good. Yeah, but um, that's a, that's a fantastic choice, and uh, and I am glad one of us had it on our it's, our list. Like I said, it's tomorrow it might not be, but today it is on the list. And uh, in terms of anecdotes for that album. <laughs> I actually have anecdotes for the other two Alex Cameron albums, but it's close enough. I remember when you first got into his first album in 2016, and listeners, brave listeners, you can go back to the very first album we ever did, or the very first episode we ever did, 
and you'll probably hear me like, oh, I don't really get it because I hadn't listened to him that much then. And this was the catalyst that really got me into his music, his forced witness. And yeah. then after that, I went back to his first album and had a new appreciation for it. But but yeah, I remember you being into it and me being like, eh. My second memory, I guess I have three, is you went and saw him live and you met him. And I was underage, yeah. so I couldn't go to the show. <laughs> um, but you got him to write on a ticket a little message for me. I still have it. I think I know where it is. And uh, that was such a great night. And he oh said, "Like goodness. Jason, we'll catch you around next time." You got me a little pin for my jacket that says yeah. Roy Squad. And Roy, I got of course, being his saxophone with, player. Hang out with Roy and Alex. Yeah, yeah. great, Roy. great, very, very nice people. Um, very nice people. And then my third Alex Cameron memory is again from our road trip last year. He was dropping singles during our road trip, which I think was so special. Yeah. And I remember um, <laughs> we were both like. I I have very little data on my phone. I try not to use it ever because it's pay as you go. But I made an exception because the day Whoa. the day we were he leaving, paid Karen twenty five cents to listen to the new Alex Cameron single. It's Jason, and he's hey, with you. Because the day that we were leaving, Karen the Seamstress's yes, uh, yes, couch surfing yeah. place in PEI, he had just dropped Far From Born Again, and I remember downloading that rolling down the windows it was a beautiful sunny day on prince edward island and rolling out onto the open road with that song blasting for the first time and that was really special and we were probably listening or we were probably going to the gray goose diner yeah probably store and gas station which is a very fitting location for a cd album like that no it's not i mean that's more of like a yeah anyways (laughs) but uh, yeah it's just it's not in miami um just fantastic so you've done five albums, I've done five albums now. How do we want to do this? Let's chop it and uh, make this another episode. We can do two hour long episodes just for kicks.